0: Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. On today's show, we'll get an overview of local policing and how law enforcement agencies work together.
1: I think there is a sense that everybody kind of lives in Metro Tucson, and therefore there is an expectation that we should be working together when it comes to public safety.
0: We'll also hear about a small department that deals with a big population, the 60,000 or more people who visit the University of Arizona campus every day. We say that campus law enforcement is the true community-oriented policing. We want to get out and know our community and we want them to know us. We begin our look at local law enforcement with Tucson Police Chief Chris Magnus. Tucson's murder rate is up and the chief says there's no simple solution.
1: The challenge is figuring out why, and then to what extent can you try to prevent some of these homicides, which is the toughest crime of all to actually prevent. You know, our solvability rate is extremely high, over 80%, which is unusually high, especially for a city our size, but the ability to anticipate and prevent homicides is really difficult. You know, homicides break down into different categories, And some of those categories, you definitely can try different strategies of intervention. For example, around domestic violence, we're doing a lot of work to talk to victims of DV and get a sense of what the perpetrator is like and what the likelihood of a lethal encounter going forward might be. And then you have the chance to do different kinds of intervention with them that can reduce you know, the likelihood of, uh, of a murder or a serious assault going forward. And we're seeing what we hope is some success with that. But, you know, that's part of the challenge, right? You don't know what things you're doing that are potentially preventing homicides. You know when a homicide occurs and you try to look back and say, well, what might we do differently? Was there a point of intervention? But a lot of the homicides we're seeing right now are really— fights between people where somebody had a gun. Often there was alcohol or drugs that were on board. That kind of thing is hard to intervene. So the areas where we're trying to do more are around gang violence, where perhaps with the right kind of information gathering and different sorts of intervention, you can maybe prevent some of those. It's a, it's a tough area to analyze and figure out what the right thing is and, and how to do it best. The
0: Tucson Police Department has a very high solve rate. Just good police
1: work, I guess? Well, I think a combination of things. It is an unusually high rate of solving homicides. But really, there's no community I've ever heard of where police can just do that on their own. I think we have terrific detectives. They work unbelievably hard. And often, some of these really serious crimes come in groups. And so it's not like they're just conveniently spaced out over the year. Uh, our detectives really are put through the ringer because you can have, you know, a homicide one night and then one two nights later and then one the next day and and that's you know that that's really tough. So I they are fantastic. They are persistent, they're resilient, they're very very smart. But even with the best detectives, you really need a community that is willing to come forward with information. Almost all of these solves have some component of community involvement. And so a lot of it is tips that we get through 88 Crime or people calling the police department or even people knowing the officer that works in their area, stopping them and saying, I heard this or I have some information about that. So I I really credit it to the willingness of the community to come forward and work with us as much as I give credit, obviously, to the great police work that the detectives and officers are doing.
0: Talking about that community aspect, that speaks to trust. How do you build trust in a a police agency? Not everybody trusts the police.
1: Right. That is an ongoing challenge because some of the people we need to have that trust with the most, in some cases, may be the least likely for a whole host of reasons not to be so trustworthy. We know there's a history between law enforcement and for example, communities of color throughout the country that's based on a history that's not very good. And so, you know, you can't just ask people to put that aside. I have a lot of officers, particularly younger officers, who say, well, I don't understand this. I really am working hard to treat people fairly. I treat everybody courteously. I want to have good interactions with people from all different neighborhoods and backgrounds what's the problem here? And we have to help them understand that some of this is historical. It may be experiences that people had many years ago or that their family had, or it could be people who have dealt with police in other communities where they really were treated badly. So you can't just, you can't discount any of that. But what we try to do is build bridges moving forward. We are out in every neighborhood in tucson we try to provide service that is high quality and build relationships that are based on trust um, throughout the entire city we're at neighborhood meetings we're engaged in talking to people we get it that trust is something that's that takes time to build and can be easily dismantled by an incident that people don't understand why it happened or what's going on. So we also are working to have a more diverse police department. And I I think we're making progress across the board, but good community policing really has to be based on relationships.
0: We've seen a lot of attention over the last year or so, especially with the NFL protests and things like that, about difficult relationships between police and, and communities of color. Has that changed the way TPD has operated in recent times as this is becoming more and more part of a national conversation?
1: You know what I find interesting is that even though um, a lot of the national narrative is really around areas of distrust and conflict, especially when it comes to race, we've worked really hard at the ground level to build trust. And I think that pays off because then when something happens where people really wonder, is there a racial component or how upset should we be about, you know, something that they see that may have occurred, maybe an officer involved shooting or any even number of things, I I think we are at a better place and I knock on wood with people being a little more patient, a little more willing to actually talk to us about what's going on before they jump to an immediate conclusion they still may not be happy with us. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but I do think having those relationships, you know, I talk to people and, and residents of all, of all backgrounds, all races. And what I like hearing is, you know, them describing, I know officer so-and-so, I know, you know, Lieutenant so-and-so who I see at our meetings or who I can talk to about this and that. It's, that's powerful, and I think that really puts us in a place that perhaps is better than a lot of communities, even our size or certainly larger, where those relationships are really strained.
0: We're talking with Chief Magnus at the Tucson Police Department. You mentioned trying to get the police force here more diverse. In years past, we've had a shortage of officers. How are we doing on staffing numbers in Tucson?
1: Well, I'm not satisfied with where we're at. Um, Our staffing numbers actually are much lower than we'd like them to be. You know, we try to look at the numbers in an honest and straightforward way because the numbers are what they are and we have to deal with them, I think, honestly, rather than playing games with them. We have, right now, um, roughly 800 officers who who we consider to be deployable. They can actually, they don't need a coach. They're not in training. 800 fully deployable sworn people. Now, that doesn't mean 800 that are all out on the road taking calls. That includes detectives. It includes supervisors. It includes folks in special units, administrators, the whole nine yards. But then we have another give or take 60 officers who are in what we call the training pipeline. And so that gives us roughly 860-some sworn personnel. But we need more than that. And we're working really hard. We have a group of 24 in an academy right now, another 24 to come. And then we're hoping in an October um, academy right now to have somewhere between even as many as 40 and 50 recruits in, in that program. So we're gradually building back up. We even have a program to bring officers who are already working perhaps in other states or other departments, they're called laterals, to bring lateral officers in to our agency. And we're looking at how do we provide services to the public beyond the traditional means of having an officer come out to every call. Online reporting, more reporting over the phone, you know, all of these are strategies. Do they compensate for the lack of full staffing? Not entirely, but they certainly help
0: we talked to sheriff napier recently and a lot of that discussion focused on operation stone garden and the controversy in the sheriff's department that has sprung up around that tpd gets some of that money tpd's not doesn't have a border to deal with the way the sheriff's office does so what does tpd do with its stone garden money and how much does the department get
1: i don't know the exact dollar amount we and it does vary even from from year to year but we we use those resources to focus on high crime areas. on A lot of it is on drug trafficking within the community. And, and some of it relates to gang activity as well. But most of it is associated with high crime and drug activity. We do no enforcement related to immigration work. We're not down at the border. We're not doing missions that would involve anything associated with somebody's documentation status. Uh, it's just, I, I get that the dollars come through sort of a circuitous route from FEMA to the Border Patrol to to us. Well, actually through the shares, through the county first and then to us. So what happens at the county level potentially will have an impact on whether we receive those dollars. But we're we're really trying to be very thoughtful about how we use those resources and it is definitely not associated with immigration enforcement.
0: How's the working relationship between TPD, the sheriff's office, university police, uh, any of the federal agencies that are are working in town and law enforcement?
1: I think there is a sense that we're all of us are patrolling Tucson. You know, it's funny when I first got here, I would I would be driving around and I'd talk to people in different businesses or sometimes even neighborhoods that turned out to be, in some cases, well outside of the city limits. They'd be in unincorporated areas or even in some of the nearby communities. And people would say, oh, I live in Tucson. I think there is a sense that everybody kind of lives in metro Tucson. And therefore, there is an expectation of people, particularly if they're Pima County residents, that – we should be working together around crime prevention, around uh, certainly trying to solve crimes, uh, about serving the community in general when it comes to public safety. And and we do a lot of that. We have regular meetings. Really, they're more like lunches. I guess that's okay though, right? Because yeah, we talk about a lot of things that I think are important between chiefs about how we can serve the community together, where we can find common ground. We don't do everything the same. We don't approach every issue in the same way some of our priorities may be a little different but that's i think appropriate based on what our community expects so i think we have pretty good relationships all the way around
0: that was tucson police chief chris magnus you're listening to the buzz from azpm this week we're taking a look at local policing while everyone knows tpd a lot of people may forget there's a police force on the university of arizona campus With an estimated 60,000 people on campus every day, it's like another small city in the heart of Tucson. We talked to UAPD Chief Brian Seastone about what makes policing at a university campus unique. The department has been around
2: as a law enforcement agency for over 50 years. It was in the early 60s that we really came into our own as a police department. And uh, since that time, we've grown quite a great deal. We've got 66 police officers now, 19 police aides that help us out, 16 dispatchers. So we're a 24-7 operation. We tell everybody we're your hometown police department.
0: What are your responsibilities? I think publicly we see traffic enforcement as we as a community pass through campus. But what are some of the responsibilities of the police department that you all deal with on a daily basis? The exact same thing that any other agency would.
2: We're very fortunate we don't have the crimes against people. We have property crimes. Alcohol, drugs, obviously, are not uncommon on our campus. Everything that you can see in the city or county can happen here, but we're just very fortunate. We've got a unique population that we're dealing with. Traditionally, 18 to 26-year-olds is our, our major constituent group, but with that brings unique challenges too. kids going away from home for the first time you know flexing their wings like we tell the parents and the students during orientation we are a police department but we're also here as educators as well we want to make sure people are safe
0: and that they graduate and and go on to be good citizens in our communities looking at some of the statistics over recent years that looks like the number one thing by the numbers you deal with are alcohol and drugs. I would assume most of that is underage drinking. Absolutely. Going into the first six weeks of a semester
2: is always kind of a scary time. It's called the red zone across the country and other places. And that's all these new people coming in. They're testing their wings, like I've said, and just trying to fit in. So we'll see an increase in alcohol use. We may see some increase in mental health concerns, loneliness, homesick, just those type of things. And then people wanting to fit in and, you know, my friends are drinking, so maybe I should drink too,
0: that they haven't done that in the past. So that's why that first six weeks is so scary for us. I know in looking at your website and remembering back a long time ago when I was a freshman at a university, our dorms there each had a police officer who was kind of our liaison. Is that the same here on campus? And what's the role of that officer?
2: Yes, we do have uh, liaison officers. And we started that program in the early 2000s. And we thought it was important. We say that campus law enforcement is the true community-oriented policing. We want to get out and know our community, and we want them to know us. So to get people out from behind glass and steel of a car, put them out on bike and and motorcycle and foot. And one of the best ways is a liaison. So each residence hall here has one or two officers assigned. And the purpose is to break down barriers, build better relationships, give somebody a face just to say, hey, hey. I've got a friend that might have done this.
0: And just somebody to bounce things off of. We've had some fraternities uh, who have been kicked off of campus recently. We all have the image of Animal House uh, in our heads and the relationship between the police and the fraternities. What is the relationship between police and fraternities? And how are fraternities doing overall from a, a good citizen standpoint? Overall, they're doing fine,
2: and like with any group, there's a small group that causes the problems that then reflects negatively on the entire group. We're actually working very closely with IFC, the Interfraternity Council, this year to look at better ways. We have a liaison program with each of the fraternities and sororities, but we're looking at how can we become better involved, you know, because they're not quite like the residence halls. And so we're working on on that, how to make their events more neighborhood friendly and safe and secure. So there's a good working relationship. And we've built that over a number of years.
0: When it comes to the university police force, what's your jurisdiction? We know that Tucson Police Department has to operate within the city. The county sheriffs operate within the county. What, What are the boundaries for the university police department? Arizona is pretty progressive in in many ways, and in this one, any
2: police officer in the state of Arizona is a police officer anywhere in the state. So jurisdiction-wise, we are commissioned for the University of Arizona. That's our our, uh, authority. However, you'll see us primarily between 8th Street and Elm, Campbell to Euclid, but we've got
0: properties all over town. We can go anywhere in the state. We talked about alcohol issues. What are the big problems, other than alcohol and, and drug issues, but what are the typical problems? Thankfully, as you said, we don't have things like murders on campus. But what are the problems we do have?
2: Well, we have had them. You know, Unfortunately, we're not immune from that. Uh, but our major crimes would be the crimes against property, the theft, the burglaries. You leave a, your laptop unattended at the library. It could just walk off. I don't know. It just sprouts legs and leaves. So those type of issues are really what we deal with the most. And then, like I said, the the alcohol and the drugs. We have had the homicides. We have our sexual assaults. We're fortunate that we don't have the stranger type of sexual assault that other places do. It doesn't mean that it can't occur here. Like I said, but again, I, I contribute a lot of this to our campus community keeping eyes out, you know, a saying came out after 9-11, if you see something, say something. And we're really pushing that again. Uh, we need those additional eyes and ears. And people are becoming, again, more vigilant and calling and reporting things, saying something just doesn't seem right. And I've always told folks around here, describing strange and unusual on a university campus is really difficult. But after a while, people get to know Who should be in and around or what seems right or out of place? And we're getting more and more calls of people saying, this just doesn't seem right, which is great. We'd much rather come over and take a moment to figure out that it is nothing instead of coming over
0: later and finding out that somebody has been a victim. We're talking with UAPD Police Chief Brian Seastone. We have uh, street preachers uh, in the university union, and there are other people who are on campus protesting and things like that. Universities are known as a place of free speech. How do, how do you deal with that as a police department, uh, from disturbances to arguments? We had an assault issue here on campus with one of the street yeah, preachers.
2: That's one of the great things about this university is the diversity of expression and... Uh, we work very closely on uh, first amendment issues with the dean of students office they are actually the the folks that we turn to first unless there's an immediate threat or something along that line there's campus guidelines etc for time place and manner people get upset by some of the things that are seen or heard but That's part of growing up and seeing the real world. Some of these folks have never seen this. And yes, some of those words are harmful and things. Um, You know, we've told people, if you don't like it, don't
0: engage. Walk on by. What's a typical day if there is such a thing in law enforcement for a typical officer at the University of Arizona? You know, that's really an interesting question that I'm
2: asked because I, I say this is the place that you can go from a fire alarm To the next thing, you're dealing with a large crowd out on the the mall, to meeting a Nobel Laureate, to just sitting down and talking to people. Most of the day is spent responding to calls. We encourage people, like I said, to get out and, and walk and be engaged. So there's a lot of community interaction. We do the liaison program throughout the day. You know, there have been times that we've called in swing and graveyards to come in and help us and other agencies. It just all depends. You know, there is no typical day.
0: One of the things you mentioned uh, a moment ago was sexual assaults here on campus. Looked back at the numbers. They seem pretty stable. I'm sure you're not happy with them. Talk about sexual assault and what the agency is doing to try and decrease that number. One sexual assault is one too many,
2: and over the years we have worked with a number of groups on campus from Dean of Students to Campus Health to the OASIS Center to Women's Resource Center. How can we get the word out that we want people to report? We don't care if they prosecute or not. The important thing is to report so that they can get the resources necessary to help the victims be survivors. And so we have trained our office our uh, detectives in a um, different line of questioning when we're investigating these. Our protocol has changed to response for the line level officers and uh, the questioning and how we question to get just basic facts so that we're not having to repeat the same information over and over. The most important thing is the survivor uh, out of this. And we want to make sure
0: that they're taken care of. And that's our number one priority. The stat said somewhere 18 to 20 reported assaults a year. I'm gathering from what you're saying, those are the reported. The number is higher. And you, I guess you want to see that number go up in some ways. But obviously, would really like it to be zero in reality. Absolutely. But um, I would much rather know what's going on out there.
2: When I became chief about four years ago, uh, we did a real effort to make sure that people know that we're here as support and that it's okay to report, and we saw a a rise. And last year, I think we saw a little bit of a drop. Uh, I haven't seen for this year yet, but I suspect the numbers are going to go up just a little bit. More and more people are feeling more comfortable, especially with the movements that are going on now people are feeling more confident and secure that I can do this, I can report these type
0: of things. Drugs and alcohol, uh, a big problem with the sexual assaults?
2: Alcohol and drugs are usually involved. It doesn't mean that anybody did anything wrong, but they, they were there by both parties. And that's why I say its you can't place the blame on this person or this person. Uh, consent is on both sides people need to understand and respect each other and, and make the, a true consent. You know, And that's the education that we're trying to get across. Not only the police department, but Dean you know, Students office and all of these other groups, what is consent and respect each other's
0: right to say no. You've been on campus 30 plus years in law enforcement. How have students changed in that time or, or have they? I would say that they really have not changed. Depending on
2: political issues and things, you may see more activism, uh, that type of thing. There are times that we'll see a year or two where it's just like, boy, this is a little bit different. It's, It's a little bit quieter. But overall, I think things have remained. The one thing I will say now is that we're seeing more commitment to a philanthropy, more caring for each other, a greater diversity, which is really,
0: really wonderful to see. And that's the buzz for this week. A look ahead on the buzz with Election Day coming up we will turn our attention to the ballot box. Tune in in the coming weeks to hear about the Latino vote, initiatives focused on renewable energy and education funding and what your neighbors think about one of the hottest races in the country. Find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. Ariana Brochus produced and edited the show. Zach Ziegler recorded the interviews. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Andrea Kelly is the news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening.